0: Picture this, you step into a restaurant or a cafe and suddenly the word calories is echoing all around you. The air is filled with questions like, how many calories are lurking in this seemingly innocent sandwich? Or what about the calorie content in this tasty looking pizza? And when you're about to tuck into dessert, the inevitable thought arises, do I need to go for an hour long run to burn this donut off? The main question still remains, should you be counting your calories? Hey guys, welcome back, I'm Zabir. If you're new, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Today's topic is calories. Let's get into it. What is a calorie? In the most simple terms, it's a unit of energy. It represents the energy needed to raise the temperature of one gram of water by one degree Celsius. In the context of nutrition, kilocalories or kilocals are used to describe the energy content of foods. You can think of calories as a way of keeping track of the body's energy budget. A healthy balance is one where you put in about the same amount as you use. If you're consistently in an energy surplus, so you're consuming more calories than you burn, you'll put on weight. And if you're consistently in energy deficit, the opposite happens and you'll lose weight. Before we get into the calories in equals calories out equation, you might have heard that different macronutrients provide a different amount of calories. Let's break down the macronutrients or macros. There's three, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. Let's start with the most important, protein. The word actually comes from the Greek word proteos, which means primary. Proteins are essential for building and repairing tissues and producing enzymes and supporting various bodily functions. They provide four calories per gram. Animal proteins are more complete, meaning that they contain the nine essential amino acids that you need from your diet. There's 20 different amino acids and they combine in various ways to form the different proteins in the body. Out of the 20, nine are essential, meaning that the body can't produce them on their own. Good animal sources, of protein include dairy, meat, fish, eggs and poultry. You then have plant proteins which include legumes, nuts, seeds and whole grains. These provide protein as well though they may be incomplete in terms of the amino acids. Carbohydrates or carbs are a major source of energy for the body. They provide four calories per gram. Carbs are classified into two main types based on their structure. You get simple carbs. These are made up of one or two sugar units and they're quickly digested. So think sugar, honey, that kind of thing. And they provide a rapid energy boost and they can lead to blood sugar spikes. And then there's complex carbs, which consist of longer chains of sugar molecules. These take longer to digest and provide sustained energy. They also tend to contain fiber, which supports digestion. So think whole grains like oats, and brown rice and things like legumes and starchy veg. Lastly, you have fats. Fats are concentrated sources of energy and support various bodily functions, including hormone production, cell membrane structure, and vitamin absorption. They provide nine calories per gram, so that's the most of the three macros. You can also categorize fats. There are saturated fats, which are found in animal products, and some plant oils as well. Saturated fats are solid at room temperature and they're associated with an increased risk of heart disease, so they should be consumed in moderation. Then there's monounsaturated and polyunsaturated unsaturated fats. Monounsaturated fats are found in things like olive oils, avocados and nuts and polyunsaturated fats include omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids and omega-3s are beneficial for your heart health and the body can't make these on their own. You can find them in oily fish, vegetable oils and nuts. You also get trans fats but these are quite unhealthy so avoid them. Think fried food and takeaways and things. Recently I've tried to go on a calorie deficit and lose fat whilst trying to maintain muscle. I was doing all the right things, I was tracking what I was eating, training regularly, having a high protein diet, weighing myself every morning and I was using a fitness tracker as well. I've done a video on the one I use so you can watch that later. Also remember that these fitness trackers can sometimes overestimate your calorie expenditure. So I'd planned a weight loss of 500 grams per week over the course of 12 weeks to get me from 90 kilos to 84 kilos. 89 weeks into the cut, I felt my progress was slowing down. I wasn't losing the same amount of weight as I was at the start, even though I was tracking everything. So why could this be? Why was my progress waning? Let's get into it. So if you've tried to do the same and lose weight or even build muscle, you've probably noticed that it's not always a straightforward process. The amount of weight you lose or gain doesn't always match up with the expected results based on your calorie intake and expenditure. And because of this, some people claim that the concept of calories in, calories out is flawed and doesn't work. I think the confusion arises from focusing too much on the calories in part and not giving enough attention to the calories out bit. To understand this better, let's break down this idea of calories in and calories out. So the calories in part relates to what you eat and drink and the calories out part is what you burn as energy through exercise and your body's metabolic functions. The balance between the calories you take in and the calories you burn determine the changes in your energy stores. For instance, if you consume more calories than you burn, you'll gain weight over time. And if you burn more calories than you consume, you'll lose weight weight over time. This seems quite simple, right? All you have to do is eat less to lose weight and eat a bit more to gain weight. But it's a bit more nuanced than that, unfortunately. And the complexity arises from the calories out part of the equation. Understanding calories out involves a few key components that determine your total daily energy expenditure, or TDEE. It represents the total number of calories your body burns in a day, taking into account all of your activities and functions. We'll get into the main components now. The first is your resting metabolic rate, which is also known as your basal metabolic rate or BMR this is the energy your body expends while at rest, just to maintain basic functions like breathing and pumping blood around the body, your brain function and regulating body temperature. So BMR accounts for a significant proportion of your total daily energy expenditure and it's usually around 60 to 70 percent. You then have the thermic effect of food or TEF, which represents the energy required for digesting, absorbing, and processing the nutrients from the foods that we eat. TEF usually contributes around 5 to 10% of your total daily energy expenditure. Interestingly, different nutrients have varying TEF values, with protein generally requiring more energy for digestion than carbs or fats. Just to expand on this for a second, protein has a TEF of 20 to 30%, meaning that 20 to 30% of ingested energy is spent digesting, absorbing, and metabolizing the remaining food. Let's say you ate something that was hundred calories and consists of protein only. Your net would be around 70 to 80 calories. Carbs TF is around 5 to 10%. So if you had 100 calories of carbs, you'll net 9 to 95. And fats have a TF around 0 to 3%. So that's the thermic effect of food aspect. You then have physical activity, which contributes around 15 to 20% of your daily energy expenditure. It consists of exercise activity which is about 5% of your energy expenditure and non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT which is about 15%. They're differentiated based on intent. Exercise activity or EA includes planned activities like exercise, workouts and sports. The intensity, duration and type of activity all influence the number of calories burned. NEAT on the other hand encompasses all of the energy expended from activities that aren't structured exercise such as walking, fidgeting, doing the dishes and me moving my hands right now. NEAT is highly variable depending on whether you're sedentary or active and can contribute significantly to your total energy expenditure. There are other things like environmental factors, so for instance your body may burn more calories to maintain cool temperature in colder conditions. You also have your age and gender which play a role and generally your metabolic rate tends to decrease with age due to changes in muscle mass and hormonal shifts. Okay so that essentially summarizes the aspects of total daily energy expenditure which is the calories out part of the equation. Now, going back to my fat loss mission, I wanted to create a calorie deficit. But like I said, it can be a bit more complicated than that. This is because if you create a calorie deficit, All of these components I've just spoken about are affected, leading to changes in the calories you burn. Your energy status influences each component of your total daily energy expenditure. So if I wanted to lose around half a kilo or a pound of body fat each week, which is roughly equivalent to around 3,500 calories, to achieve this over the course of a week, I started a diet with a 500 calorie daily deficit. This should in theory lead to a steady loss of around 500 grams per week. However, as the weeks passed, I encountered metabolic adaptation which is also known as adaptive thermogenesis. This is where your body responds to changes in your calorie intake by adjusting its energy expenditure to maintain a stable weight. So in my example, I was consuming fewer calories than I needed, therefore creating calorie deficit. And my body responded by reducing its overall energy expenditure. It does this through several ways. The first is your BMR reduces, because as you lose weight, there is physically Less of you, meaning that your body burns fewer calories at rest. Also, with a calorie deficit, the thermic effect of food you eat will also decrease. You also get a reduction in your exercise activity, but this difference is probably negligible. This is because over the course of one week, there's 168 hours. Let's say you train an hour every day, there's still 161 hours you've spent not exercising or 96% of the week. So most of your metabolic adaptation comes from NEAT. When you're in a calorie deficit, you might feel naturally more fatigued or less inclined to engage in physical activities. I know this firsthand. You become really lethargic, especially after gym sessions. You move less and this reduction in NEAT can further decrease your overall energy expenditure. Your body adapts. And because of these adaptive responses, what started as a 500 calorie daily deficit might not be a deficit in a few months time. Instead of consistently losing a pound of body weight per week, your actual rate of weight loss might slow down. This can be frustrating and confusing, especially if you're diligently tracking all the food you eat and you're staying active like I was. I remember being on Zoom calls with my friend discussing the weight loss and I felt like I'd really plateaued. So my example highlights the importance of not solely focusing on the calories in, but also considering the various factors that contribute to the calories out part of the equation. To achieve your weight loss or fitness goals effectively, you need to approach the equation holistically. As your body adapts, you might need to periodically reassess your calorie intake, your exercise routine and other lifestyle factors to maintain a meaningful calorie deficit. Or you might want to gradually decrease your calorie intake rather than jump straight in and drop by 500 calories a day like I did. So how can you offset metabolic adaptation? You target the NEAT aspect. Someone that works on their feet all day will expend more calories than someone who sits in a chair all day. Move more, take the stairs, get a standing desk, go for long walks, stretch. The key takeaway is that the calories in equals calories out still holds true, but it's important to consider both sides of the equation and make adjustments as needed to maintain the deficit or surplus for your goals. You should also ignore anyone that downplays the importance of calories. They usually have something to sell you. They'll usually use the argument that calorie counting is not accurate and therefore you shouldn't be using it. Let's talk about this for a second. So accuracy refers to how close a measure or calculation is to the true value. In the context of calorie counting, Accuracy means that the recorded number of calories closely matches the actual number of calories in that food or drink that you consume. Interestingly, in restaurants, the calorie info usually provided has an error margin of around 20 to 50%, because this depends on the food portions you get. On top of this, the calorie content of the foods you eat are not totally accurate either. Companies are allowed around a 20% error margin in their products. So that 200 calorie snack that you had for lunch might actually be 160 calories or 240 calories. Also, people's metabolism, digestion, digestion and nutrient absorption can vary, affecting how many calories are utilised. Based on this argument, calorie counting is unreliable and you shouldn't count calories then. Here's where this argument falls on its head. Imagine you're managing your monthly expenses to stay within your budget. Your budget represents the amount of money you have available and you want to ensure that you're spending wisely and not overspending too much. Calorie counting is like tracking your expenses to make sure you're staying within your budget. You list all your expenses from your rent and shopping to bills and social things. This helps you see where your money is going and to make adjustments if you're getting close to your budget limit. Similarly, calorie counting involves listing all the calories you consume to see where your energy is going and make adjustments if you're getting close to your daily limit. However, just as unexpected expenses like a spontaneous holiday or car trouble might impact your budget. Variations in portion sizes or inaccuracies in food labels can impact your calorie counting. Now, would you stop tracking your expenses altogether just because you might encounter the occasional surprise bill? Of course not. Tracking your expenses gives you valuable insights into your spending habits and helps you make informed choices. Likewise, calorie counting provides insights into your eating habits and helps you make conscious decisions about your energy intake and make sure you're making balanced food choices. It's a tool to ensure you're aligning your consumption with your goals, whether that's maintaining a balanced diet or working towards weight loss. So just like tracking your expenses helps you manage your finances, calorie counting helps you manage your energy intake. Just because it's not 100% accurate doesn't mean it's obsolete. Calorie counting should be regarded as a tool to improve your habits and behaviours around food. Once you have a grasp of what you're eating day to day, you can calculate what you need to eat to be in a calorie deficit. And that's how you lose weight. I count calories pretty much most days and I have a healthy relationship with food. I actually love food. It helps me to understand the calories, the macros and the micronutrients I ingest. You get to know how much food your body actually needs. Sometimes I track my foods until my evening meal and then just freestyle and eventually after a period of tracking your calories you might understand your requirements a bit better and because of this you're able to make more informed choices about the foods you eat. At this point you might stop keeping track and that's okay too. So how do you count calories? I use my Fitness pal. It's free. You can scan food labels and make custom meals and things, and you can set targets for your macros, and it's really easy to track. It also helps you understand portion control better. So, if you eventually stop counting calories, you can make it less likely to overeat. So, should you go on a diet and count your calories? To answer the first part of the question, all diets have the same basic mechanism, which is to make sure that you are in a calorie deficit. Most diets don't actually work, not because the strategy isn't sound, but because people fail to adhere to them for the long term. So, if your goal is weight loss, and you're serious about making healthier lifestyle changes, then I would ask yourself this, can you do this forever? Is this method sustainable for me? If not, then you might wanna rethink your approach. As for the second part of the question, if you don't incorporate a tool like calorie counting, then you probably won't lose weight because how can you understand energy balance or portion control? What gets measured gets managed. Remember, it should be used as a tool to encourage you to make healthier and more informed choices. And yeah, exercise is also important, but you shouldn't exercise just to lose weight. You need to drop your calories for that. You should exercise for your health. Incorporating both exercise and diet strategies is a more powerful method than just using one in isolation. But that's just my opinion. Thinking of getting a fitness tracker to track your energy expenditure? This is the one I use. You might want to watch my video review before you get one. And that brings us to the end this video. I hope you enjoyed it. See you guys in the next one. Peace.